This is the 54th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me is my dear co-host Christopher Wikström. Also this week we have a guest star, tier 1 con top 8 competitor Sebastian Basso Russo. We are all very happy to have you here, dear listener. Yeah, hello everybody and welcome Sebastian to the podcast. Thank you for having me fun to be here. Uh, Robin sends his regards to everyone. He is uh, tied down in a very hot beach somewhere and I think most people who live in Europe can relate to that. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In this episode, you guessed it, we will be talking to Sebastian about his great run at Tier 1 Con 5k Legacy, an event in which resident wizards of this here podcast did not perform historically well. But first, Sebastian, please introduce yourself to our listeners. How long have you played Legacy? What is your local community like? Why do you love it? Hi, I'm Sebastian. I live in Gothenburg. I've done so since 2008. And before that, I lived in Västerås, Sweden's fifth biggest city. Uh, I play a lot at Mindstage, but local community for Legacy is great. We have something like 12 to 25 devoted Legacy players on the weekly basis and with the seasonal leagues. So yeah, it's a great place if you want to play Eternal. And I've been on the Magic grind since 2010, but more specifically in Legacy since 2010. 13, albeit not on this deck. Ooh, that's a good year. Yeah, <laughs> what did you start with in Legacy? Okay, so the first deck I ever played was a good old dual deck, Phyrexia versus Coalition, and I thought the Coalition deck sounds really cool. It has this, like, Droga the Renewer name, uh, maybe not correct, like a 6-6 for 6 mana in three different colors. That's awesome. That's the best thing that was ever printed. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but my pet deck in Legacy, up until quite recently, has been 12 post, which I've been really nerdy about since like 2013 until like 2020. So mm. I played a lot of hard-casted Emrakuls. I'm going to have to ask you more about this. I picked up this deck just the last year. I really love it, and I have to borrow a Tabernacle every time I want to play it. The trick is to throw money at it and preferably squeeze in between three and four candelabras of tunnels, which is my preferred variant, <laughs> if the tabernacle wasn't doing it for you. In that era, when you when you said you got into Legacy, was the Miracle Haymay, uh, Haymaker era also, so Cloudpost must have just crushed that. I went to uh, GP Prague, I want to say 2016 or some such around that time, and Miracle was writing high the draw bracket was probably the biggest after round like three uh, because people were just topping draw step top play a ponder shuffle top and i'm just like i don't care i'm gonna play this cloud post and now i'm gonna play eye of Ugin. try emerald every round <laughs> i remember beautiful. the last round was a dude who just played island ponder and i played cloud post and he went with this very polite way without being rude he's like uh, i just want you to know i don't mean to be disrespectful but this match is not very fun for me so i am going to concede the game now and he just scooped up <laughs> oh man turn one kill well that's great so let's have a look at your tier one con run what deck did you bring first of all and did you make any special tech choices for this tournament okay so yeah um the deck uh, the pet the, or rather the deck i've been picking up since 2020-ish uh, creature combo decks and I tried Food Chain but I wasn't really into it. So now Aluren. 
is the choice. What I really like about it is that the Green Sun Zenith package for the Dryad Arbor for the early ramp, which means you never draw a mana dude late game. I don't My magic playstyle has been a lot of instant gratification, and that's just like a frustrating moment when you're like, I need to top deck something. <gasps> Birds of paradise, wow. Wah, wah. Keep it in my hand and pretend I have an out. <laughs> Beautiful. It's what I always do. Yeah, this is the life of Christopher describing. <laughs> I love those uh, post-board games when you just get to throw all of the birds out. <laughs> You're like, oh man, get out of here. Yeah, now it was actually, I think, you, Christopher, that di- I saw you playing, I think, at around uh, last year's Legacy Nationals at in Borås. Then I'm like, hmm, this is a sweet deck, maybe. But then I tried a lo- uh, like Yorion, the version, with 80 cards. I'm like, ah, I have no patience for this. This requires a lot of... Uh, I need to slim it down to 60 cards. It's not going to work for me. Yeah, I, I, have this, I have this quest because I also used to play a lot of Food Chain. But then I, I made the step towards uh, Aleran because I played it like uh, some bad version many years ago. And then I tried the the first uh, recruiter lists when it top aided the GP around, I think, 2015 or 16. And I was like, oh man, maybe I should just play Aleran again. And since then, I've completely dropped Food Chain pretty much and just gone with Aleran because the quest I'm on is converting Food Chain players into Aleran. And I remember after... At nationals, when we were we were out taking beers with Sebastian and the crew, I, I was trying to sneak in some, you know. Oh, I learned. Uh, <laughs> I learned propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was super excited to, first to see like, oh, I learned made the top eight, and then I saw it was you, and I was just super pumped. I was like, oh fuck yeah, let's go. That's the long game right there. Now comes the royalties program with feedback too to Christopher, just like, yeah, well, I I kind of put you in this path, so you owe me a little something, and so. <laughs> <laughs> How much you get? 250 euros <laughs> in vouchers-ish. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, what I think is really sweet, I've seen these style of lists when it comes to Aluren 60-card versions picking up more and more. They seem pretty popular in, like, when it comes to paper, like, tabletop legacy in Japan. I've seen a lot of lists that look uh, like these. Like, they are implementing the Dried Arbor and Green Sun. A lot of them aren't running the Living Wish, which is a really slow and annoying card. So I, I, I really, I think this list is really good and I think it's, uh, yeah, you, you, you can talk about it more. Like, it's one of the lists that feels better against decks like uh, Delver than uh, what other more maybe either combo oriented lists or uh, the Yurion list does so it's 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 super cool yeah for listeners we're gonna put this uh, of course in the discord but sebastian why don't you give us a rundown really quickly of the of your 75 yeah just much like christopher i don't run the living wish i just stumbled into many times where i'm like i am under so much pressure resolved and luren i have a living wish i can't i'm gonna lose so no living wish package uh, green suns package main targets dried arbor most of the time sometimes if like eight cost or draw combo heavy decks are prevalent then you'll go for the leovold i find him a really good target for death and taxes as well what if they're heavy on the port plan fun interaction that you might not know carpet of flowers is a targeted ability so if you're in a mid-range grind match Leovold is really good if your opponent runs Carpet of Flowers versus you. Especially if they don't use it in their first main phase, because then it targets it twice, which is super nasty. So that's kind of cool. I've shaved a bit of Endurances I did for that list. I relegated them to the sideboard, but they're really good when they're good. What maybe not be maybe isn't as played as two copies of Sylvan Library. Sylvan Library is a card that comes and goes in vogues depending on how much time you have to, like... 
gain value from it. But I felt that it was... I had the time for, for Tier 1 con. Me and my friend, he's like, you should put Sylvan Library up in this... I do think it is pretty good, like, uh, especially if you're not running, you know, a lot of mana birds, just uh, going, uh, like, land drop, go turn two, Sylvan Library. If they burn counter spells on that, I mean, that's a great position to be in, because you're a combo deck, you just try to resolve, uh, like, (laughs) card advantage or card selection spell. So I do do like it. So another green sun target that you have is uh, Grist, the Hunger Tide, which is, of course, a pet card on this here podcast uh, what do is you think it? of grist oh no you put me in a corner i really don't like grist oh, i really wow. don't i think he's very clunky like if he if you're empty on the board and you're like i could get a grist but i need to plus him for a turn before he does anything meanwhile his my opponent's Merktide is going to beat him to shit and i'm like ah what a stupid card sorry i know we, we but it's okay to have differences but uh, you top eight it we didn't so i mean that's why we're asking <laughs> Uh, but I mean, uh, I mean to say, maybe I should have leaned more on my grist, but I don't personally. I'm particularly, I'm not a superstitious man. I'm a little stitious, to quote Steve Carell. But yesterday, I, on the LGS, I I resolved grist and I plussed him and I milled away the fourth land that kept me from winning because I didn't draw another one. But that, that's just because you're using grist the way I do. You should learn to use the way Christopher does. Christopher always mills the right cards. Yeah, like Uro. It's just it's 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 a matter of being great. That's, <sighs> it, that's, that's all. I should draw better and discard better. Thank you. But it's definitely, it is a card that feels kind of weird in this style. Like, yeah, I've I've also been, you know, resolving Grist. And uh, you look at your hand and you have like uh, Uru Harpy and stuff like that. You feel great and you plus it and you mill an allure and you're like, oh. So it's it's not the end of the world. But uh, when, I, when I play Grist, I usually try and squeeze some more in there and make that a bigger part of the plan and then just have like Aluren as that thing they always have to watch out for because then against like Delver and stuff like that and sometimes I board out Aluren if I'm on the 60 card version and uh, just go for a super fair plan and uh, grind them out but it's it's tricky that's one hell of a deck <laughs> yeah i'm heading down to our lgs tomorrow evening to to sling some paper mag i'm gonna bring a deck that has three copies of Grist in a 75. So uh, we'll see next episode how that went. <laughs> I, I could see some some value being gained by playing more Grists, like slamming one when at that late game top decky stage and it's like, watch out, motherfucker, or you're going to lose, or you're going to take an ulti to the face. Yeah, like you can't play creatures. Have a, have a nice day. <laughs> Right, so this is Wild, and Alern is a cool, cool deck that we, again, really like here uh, on this podcast. So uh, let's do a bit of a round-by-round uh, round report. Uh, what did you face in uh, round one? Okay, so the meta at the start of the tournament was predominantly Netherlandsian grammar. Because I met, like, three guys from the Netherlands, I think they were a crew. But the first round was, I believe, Lands. Things to take away there was that I believe that Sylvan Library really got its time to shine. They were either not drawing the uh, Buseyu or they were reserving it for when potential comboing was happening. So I felt like I got a lot of value which put me ahead and they were on... uh, the uh, the Karnstruct plan a little bit for the offense, but that didn't they didn't pick up quite as fast there I believe, and so I could just I was quite lucky as well with the basics that I could build a basic plan and not mind uh, like I didn't get ca- caught in the mount of denial trap and I just sort of went off after a while, uh, and that was essentially it. I think there might have been 
like the last thing that might have happened was that they tried to force a vigor the Aluren, but there was more stuff on the instant speed on the stack that yeah. we could that I could do it like an extra harpy or something. Yeah, I I definitely think, and I also told a, a person we had previously on the podcast, uh, Albert Ali on MTG. He asked me for Aluren tech before Tier One Con, and I said that a lot of times when I'm playing Aluren against Lance. Force of Vigor doesn't really do it for them as much as they hoped they would. Like, Besage is such a more... Like, it's it's a more scary card, but Sphere Resistance and stuff like that is what you want to lean into, from my experience. And I, I just think, like... Uh, I don't think I've ever lost to a Force of Vigor on a Luren when I'm playing against Lance. But definitely if they squeeze the mana or get those, you know, spheres in and uh, start porting or whatever, that's the scary stuff. Yeah, the mana denial plan has been very efficient. Lost yesterday on the LGS too, just the mana denial plan in Death and Taxes, Yorian. And that was yeah. rough. All right, so on to round two. What happened there? Okay, second Dutch guy, um, or Netherlands. Uh, I had I'd had the great honor to lose to this man uh, in the smaller event the day prior, and uh, I'd seen him on 8cast, and he was on the same deck this time as well. It was a... Uh, Fortune was on my side. He would slam a chalice for one, which didn't get to do a lot in game one. That is also something I'm very grateful for, not being quite as exposed to chalice for one. It did have a chalice for two on the stack for a while there, which caught me really worried. But that was counter-magicked. Game two, he landed a torpor orb, which, yes, uh, it, it prolongs the game, but I had a green sun, seen it, and mana to get an uro into play for the value. Yeah, that's beautiful. And he was already kind of on the back foot because I had turn one, end of his turn, force of vigored his mox, or sorry, his, his mana artifact and his saga just to put him back. I often go for the early blowouts if I can. Like I said, instant gratification kind of person. Like, I'm like this looks like a good play. I'm going to do it now. Yeah, I, I think uh, Robin, if he was here, would definitely approve of that because... Uh the early turn mana development for 8cast, if you stumble early, you, you can get crushed so easily. It's getting, getting you know, the engines going is really what that deck is about. So I really like the blow out there early. Just get that land and mana out of there. He did recuperate with a bunch of soul lands, but by the time that had happened, there was I was running ahead a bit on value. So that happened. That kind of closed the game. Nice. Not much to say there. So uh, what about the round three? This would be the the last uh, of the Dutch people that I played. He was on green-white depths. And this game, I remember going, goes at least... It goes for three full games. Game one, I believe he... I get a bunch of flyers out, but they share a color. Uh, oh. And so he could make the 2020 in Sejiri step it past my blind down to zero, as it happens. Game who I had defended my Sylvan Library from his prismatic ending, got enough value, could keep... I think he crop rotated, which I beat out of the stack, managed to go off. And so the last game, he was. we were talking a little bit post-match about it. He's like, I held a hand that was not great, but it was functional, and he did want to go down further just to be behind. I think he mulliganed once, and he's like, I have to keep this, kind of. And I had, like, a combo hand, and pretty much was it. He tried to get me with a choke, but I never quite tapped out. He's like, okay, I tried to have like, oh, got you, but you're all untapped. So here you go, choke. And he was representing a red source for a reb, but uh, he didn't have it. And I was just like, oh, I probably should start trying now. Go off. I'm going to show my green enchantment. 
<laughs> exactly. Show me yours, I'll show you mine. It's all fair and no judgment. I really like that matchup. I think since you have so many like flying dorks, I think it's it's a f- fantastic matchup. The step is always scary, but if you're playing the 80 card version, it feels very hard to lose because you're just packing all of those sorts to plowshares and stuff like that also. And uh, it's a shame that you didn't pick up the deck when Oko was legal because Jesus, that, what a grind fest. That matchup was uh, super nice, uh, especially when you were <laughs> super nice. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because that problem you described at the time, you could have things like, what is it? Icefang Quattle, Cavern uh, Harpy, and uh, the Gilded Goose, which is a green flyer. And you're just, they make Marit, like the turbo version was pretty popular back then. They make Marit and you're like, okay, they crop rotate. And you're like, pick a color, any color, because you got it all covered. <laughs> so that's just fantastic. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, a lot of 3 threes during that age. A lot of Elks, man. Not sad to see it go, but I did play it a lot. I was one of the problem problem people. You were an early adapter of Oko, I remember. You sat there on sort of the first week with sort of double foil Okos. Be like, hi guys, I think this card is going to be great. It is great. A bit too great. All right, so uh, on to the next round. I think you both as Magic players would get that feel in the tournament when the people like the x zeros are starting to coalesce and you sort of see the the skill level pick up at around the table and sometimes it can be a bit intimidating that was kind of what round four was like for me i was starting to see these competent delva players and these lance players and these elves players sort of do their thing setting up and i was sitting versus this german you are delver dude and this is the one round where i tanked he was a very competent player, from my impression, and a very, like, you know, those people who can get very focused in a no-nonsense kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm a pretty goofy person, so it doesn't perhaps sync as well with me, but we had some good talk after the game as well, and, like, his love of the game just takes another sort of expression as opposed to mine, uh, and I can reconcile that difference. But he beat me pretty hard. He set up the tempo, and he kind of kept me down uh, from any real board development, uh, revved the Euros when he needed to, kept me off the plan. Memory is a bit faint, but I might have snagged a game on a Carpet of Flowers, game two out of three. But no, other than that, he was, he, I was under his grip quite for the lot of it. And, uh, you know, happens. It happens a lot against that deck. And uh, what I what I noticed when I looked at your, your sideboard is uh, no ley lines which I think is just fantastic against Delver, especially if you're if you're on alert and you're like, your DRC and your Merc Tides are crap. But like, it, it's also like you said, you don't like drawing uh, Birds of Paradise late game. What about drawing your third ley line? <laughs> that doesn't feel great either. I guess it's, uh, it's a choice, but you do have a lot of endurances and stuff like that. So I guess that there is game to be had. Yeah, I feel like you've got plenty of game. The Merc Tide is pretty pretty hard to beat that's where the grist would probably shine for this deck Uh, but it becomes it's a very kind of single point of failure i've been thinking about uh maybe splashing in some assassin's trophies also now that the uh allosaurus shepherd is back in print it might be a, a a board target i i relied on the endurances for that match and the carpets usually put you ahead in mana so they can't really uh, render dazes ineffective and that kind of stuff and wastelands you circumvent with that and it can go off way earlier but that didn't happen for that round
right, so you're three and one going into round five, which still feels, uh, you know, you must feel pretty good about yourself still. I was getting in my head about it now, because th at that point you've played magic for like four, four, five hours, and you're getting hungry, and that, I am a... Uh, my blood sugar, if it affects me, I'm like, I can tank in my mood a bit. So I was maybe getting a bit more in my head about this loss than I might have should have. But round five was a local man who was uh, kind of, he was as new to his deck as I was to mine, which was um, the Epic Storm. Yeah, I knew that he was on the Epic Storm because I think my friend had played him. And I think I mulliganed once to a single force hand in game one. And I'm like, this isn't great, but I, I am a bit, I'm not very well versed in what the lists look like, so I don't know if he's going to shred me with uh, hand disruption. So I might as well keep this other than going down in cards and see what his plan is like. He might also, from the game one, go out, like extend to a point where I might be able to cut his line. And he was down to one card as he was ramping up with rituals, and he put Ad Nauseam on the stack, and I'm like, okay, this is the make or break point. I'm going to put my Force of Will on the stack. And he's got a Lotus Petal that he cracks for green? So I'm like, oh, what's... Oh, there's a Veil of Summer in the main? Well, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nasty. They played a, the, they played a full playset. It's so nasty. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that caught me really off guard. But hey, okay. Game two and three went better. I think the highlight, I guess, for value for me came in this... In game two, wherein I had both Collector Roof out as well as Leovold. Oh, man. And he had to build a ritual line with a wish, burning wish, to grape shot my creatures to death. And he was at <laughs> Storm 7, so he had to sh he had to shock himself as to not give me seven cards. He only gave me five. And he's like, oh, man, I feel so bad about this line. The, like, blue deck gets to draw five cards, and I have to kill two creatures, and I'm still not winning this turn. And I drew, I'm like, land, land, fetch. Endurance. Cantrip. I'm like, oh, good thing you can't see my hand. Yeah. And uh, But I enduranced <laughs> the graveyard back into my deck and Green Sun Zenithed the oof back. Oof. Mm. And got to reestablish Denial Plan. Nice. Yes. Uh, for a very also tight game three, which I felt ended just around time limit. It was very weird for two combo decks to run that long. So I was very like, whew. Exhale. Try and regain some composure because i was sweating at that point yeah and that's a super hard matchup too like uh historically when i'm on the deck i i lose to almost any storm variant but ts is particularly hard very all in now and the veils really caught me by surprise but it makes perfect sense to have that sort of protection and uh, often creates redundancy for the deck to draw extra cards like that yeah what i think is really cool they do go faster and uh, like like we said, they do have the, like, uh, a lot of artifacts need to get in play. They do play Veils and stuff like that. But having your your build specifically with the Cine for Oof is extremely tight against them. Because it, like, their mana, they're leaning into their Moxes and Petals. So getting your Oof out there is just so strong against them. Yeah, felt really good. And... Uh... Drawing the eight cards before they go off with tendrils is really good. And it's like, maybe I'll force twice and then save two life points, depending on. I mean, this this deck in the hands of, of big fame, Brian Cook, took down another Legacy 5k paper event in the US recently with the four veils main deck. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely a good benchmark for Legacy. If you want to know if your build can beat something, put it up against something like Storm. Highly recommend. 
spoilers here and call back to previous pet deck 12 post does not clear that benchmark my man oof, not pre not pre-board at least not in my experience 12 post players please don't at me no it's uh it's a rough one especially if you're on the green one with the the candles because then you're not doing the the aggro cloud post with chalices and stuff like that no 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 with the green ones you you're just that. like <laughs> sitting there holding your thumbs like don't kill me just wait until my round three, where I play a 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so 4-1, two rounds to go. Stakes are getting pretty high now, eh? So what happens in round six? I play versus a uh, another UR Delver player. And this match is a bit budgetier. And uh, my impression of the match was that he couldn't really establish the same sort of pressure needed to just keep me from doing my stuff. There was like... Uh, a chain lightning played at one time. I'm like, oh, I didn't expect there to be pure burn. Um, finish. Guy very polite. We had some good chatting after that. Um, but nothing really super interesting. I just did my thing. He, uh, yeah, just wasn't on the board or with the lock pieces or the the counter suite enough to stop me. I I do like uh, you're playing like quote unquote six strixes and. Uh... If if they land a really big Merktide, their way of getting your Strix off the board is either by finding one of those removals or <laughs> attacking <laughs> into it. Uh, so that's that's also beautiful. And you can also just Green Sun for Quattle if you have uh, your basics in play, which is also just super nasty. So I, I, I'm starting to loosen up a bit to the Zenith. Ah, oh, nice. Yes, come to the green side. We've got big dudes. Yeah, it's just fantastic because you've already gotten a lot of value out of them from like once they're on the board yeah I, like whilst i hate on mana birds i love the cantrip birds all all the love for the draw one poultry yeah i got i got uh, smashed pretty hard by these birdies at tier one con when i played having to attack into them because i was in such a low life against uh, grixis uh, mid-range tiny birdie destroying my all-powerful satan's plan ah uh, that feels like a rough point when you know you're like i have to attack into this one one there's a key for every lock victor and this is true this is true <laughs> Right, so I guess you're going into round seven uh, looking at a uh, nice, potentially intentional draw. Is this true? Well, Victor, you wouldn't be a fool for for thinking so, but there were so many people in the same score bracket. What is it, 15 or 18 points? Yeah, I had 15, and a lot of people are on 15, and we quickly reviewed the, the standings before the last round was published and realized, like, there's a really high risk you don't make it if you ID this round. So I kind of like, well, I'm going to have to play this round of magic. And my opponent at the table, local guy, was like, uh, sure, we can't intentional draw. I'm like, I, I'm not going to take my chances today. So we're going to play. Worst case scenario, it's food and beer quicker. Exactly. We were getting pretty famished. The site was also, it was getting not super late, but it was getting there sort of like on a Sunday as well. You always have that feel the crutch, the sun setting on the event kind of feeling was definitely setting in here at round seven. And to everyone's surprise, it was another UR Delver player, which I hadn't thought about it, but like oh, close really? to, yeah, 50% of the matches were red and blue. And everybody's wear and tear, not the split card, but the, the status condition was sort of starting to show it around this point. 
mm-hmm. more p- misplays were coming up. He, my opponent, was as tired as I was, if not a bit more. I some sloppy play. I forgot to draw a card off a parasitic Strix, which someone outside the table <laughs> kind of reminded me. It's like, hey, you actually cannot choose to do that or to forego your trigger and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this for this one instance, I'm glad that it's regular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just I gonna was say like too. Perfect. This time, the opponent judge calls and, and it's like, yeah, I forgot to draw it, and the judge goes like. Would you like to draw it? Yes, please. Uh, this was a 2-0 game for me. Remember, I was uh, resolving the carpet. Oh, a noteworthy thing that stood out was that he was playing Ledger Shredgers in his 60, which my takeaway from if that match served as any testimony, I don't think that card is particularly good for that deck because he ended up having to go through a line where he was uh, sacrificing uh, lock pieces for tempo because he wants to grow his shredder. So he connived and he put a force of will in the graveyard as opposed to the land that he drew. Oh man. Uh, Yeah, and I'm like, sweet. But I mean, there's some rationale to that. Like I wasn't on the board quite as much as he was going to be and he knows that he has to be the aggressor. But for that particular deck, I don't agree with the choice of the Shredder. I'm not feeling it. No, I wasn't feeling it. Game two, I get a carpet out and have all the mana I'm ever going to need. I think he has a total of three islands, which might have been more than the lands that I played. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm stuck at two lands. But this thing is here, so not a problem. No lands, no problem. So that was great. And with an hour left before the TO's insurance for the local runs out, we have a finalized top eight. Hmm. All the time to spare. All the time in the world. The judge did, and I quote, said, you know of bullet chess, now you're going to play bullet magic. (laughs) When we had decided to play, and uh, some people were like, this is a TO problem and not a player problem, so we're going to play magic. And I'm like, "Mm, there's actually some, there's validity to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But be kind to your TOs out there. Of course. Like, we're all trying to make an event and have fun. So I'm not saying... My, my general motto for life is don't be a douche towards people. Yeah, like, sure, something something unfortunate happens. Like, sure, you can voice and say, I am unhappy with this situation. Like, fine, that's a valid point. Can you now please help make this a better situation instead of sitting and saying i am unhappy with the situation again because that's not going to help anyone i think that's a good approach to have yeah for sure yeah that's a good sentiment and i did my part helped out by losing very quickly once i was in the top eight a quick in and out of the the playoffs what was the matchup uh, his name was john uh, a german so jan uh, engel I, mm, last oh. name I could. I should have looked that up. Uh, shit. Elves player. Yes, elves player. Yes. Uh, didn't feel good. It's a, it's a very strong pilot. Yeah, and this is where my friends' network failed me because nobody told me or scouted it beforehand. So I was in the dark, but I felt like he had scouted me. He was, well, if nothing else, he was also a very good elves player. I'll say that. I'm looking at your two plague engineers in the sideboard, but you know, elves is still such a bad matchup. You know, you're both trying to get to four mana, but they do it so much faster. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He once upon a time, game one, played a green source, played an Allosaurus Shepherd, and I'm looking at my forces going, <laughs> oh, shit. And then I was quickly done in. I was also fetching a bit. Um, like, I was fetching for basics, which put me off of, like, the Abrupt Decay a little bit game. I had the great fortune of being spectated by Ulerode, who is a Gothenburg player as well, so he, I felt like his insight was... Or his input was, he's like, oh, you didn't know what you were playing afterwards. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. So that's why we kind of were going for the basics. Because I'd seen some Delver lists and I didn't know what this man was on. Oh, you were on the play too, right? I was, because I was seated. I was th- top seated. Uh, I was 
third after the Swiss. Game two highlights were that I had th- I thought seized him turn one or so, grabbed the natural order. I saw that he had a mind break trap in hand and a green source and an allosaurus shepherd, and I had a force of will again. I'm like, mm, well, mind break trap is blue. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> It's a chance, a slim chance. And I actually managed to go for it. I got the Allurin, I had Asarak, and he was pretty clearly signaling, so that's your second spell for the turn. I'm like, yes, it is. Third spell, Asarak again. And he goes, Mind Break Trap. And I go, Force of Will the Mind Break Trap. And he goes, I have drawn another Mind Break Trap that is going to eat your Force oh, of Will. I'm like, no. dang it. <laughs> like, no, 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 and, no, no. Uh, that's all well and good. He gets another shepherd in play. We go for another round or so. I made a fatal misplay at this point as well, because he had a wirewood symbiote out, and he was activating the shepherds and beating me to death. And I had some chumpers of irrelevancy. And uh, he had three attackers, one of two shepherds, and a symbiote. I had I had one blocker. I blocked a 5-5 dinosaur elf. And then I am proceed to kind of scoop, and he looks at me and says, Oh, you're scooping. I'm like, yeah. I had forgotten that the ability for uh, Allosaurus Shepherd only affects elves and not insects. Wirewood Symbiote is not. Uh, so I was actually alive at the time I scooped. And for funsies, I drew the top card of my deck, which was a Brainstorm. No, 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 no. So I drew another three cards at the top of my deck, and on top was the Plague Engineer that uh, I so desperately wanted. Oh, uh, the alert, and I'm like, dang it! Fu- yeah, it's, uh, well, it's terrible. I was, so I was salty at myself, but he was really kind. He's like, eh, you know, you're here, and that's not nothing. And I'm like, that's you're going to be way nicer to me than I am going to be at, to myself at this point. And thank you. That's good sportsmanship. Yes, it was. Thank you, Germany. Exactly. So that was the long and short of it. But if you look at it, you're piloting sort of a new deck that you picked up recently, and you made top eight at uh, one of the bigger tournaments we've had in Europe for a long time. So that must have felt great, anyways. I gotta say, it pumps your ego to the sky like you yeah, go yeah, to your yeah. lgs and i'm like yeah come look at this 2-2 at the lgs i'm like okay now i'm back to normal game of variance <laughs> that's why i have this plan whenever i perform good at the tournament i bring a really bad brew for the next lgs play to to go oh four or one free because then i can always blame the deck and you know i was just trying things out i didn't want to i was goofing guys that wasn't for realsies that wasn't that wasn't for the reals yeah okay yeah and then they'll forget about it yeah no but me and uh me and robin on the train back we were so happy to see that you've made a top eight with the list at first uh, after meeting you guys in got in bros for the for the nationals in november and seeing you uh, happy all day sort of going for success it was really nice feeling for us so uh, really good effort that's clout that you should sort of you know that you can wear proudly because that's actually a good effort like truly yeah thank you you're very right on all points and i kind of i yeah this is uh, having being able to sit and vent like happily wallow in these kind of good experiences is a really like a really fun part of magic and the community that surrounds it yeah because the thing is like i mean in in a tournament like this almost every player in the tournament is gonna lose their last match oh yeah that's i never thought of it that way unless you're sort of someone like me who's sort of i'm gonna play it out regardless like but for a lot of people they lose their last match regardless if they scrub out in round four and 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 drop or if they lose in the finals you lose the last match and psychologically in any kind of competitive 
uh, environment, you have this, I would say, false sense of sort of you're never as good as your last result, which is obviously untrue, <laughs> especially in a game of variance such as Magic. But if you look back at it, you lost two matches out of eight you played, and you won your first thirst three matches, which meant, as you said, that you had to play out the rest of your tournament against really skilled opponents as well. And you won the majority of those matches as well. And uh, I think that's something that you should sort of just sit with looking back at this tournament. Because, I mean, I I also lost in the finals, actually, sort of a couple of times. And, of course, at the time, you feel shitty. Like, I lost the last match. Uh, I could have won the whole prize. I could have gone to this, you know, I qualified for this World Cup, whatever. But in hindsight... Like, wow, that's a great achievement. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great sentiment to have to balance out to strive for improvement and better yourself. Yeah, I, I really like having that with you in one pocket whilst you, like, at the same time as... Uh, yeah, no, I just like being at the some of the EXO tables because you feel like the best way to get better is to play versus people who are better than you. Like, to learn from these people or try and, like, thri- like get accustomed, acclimatized to that environment. Carry that sentiment of, like having that sense of accomplishment with you for your rants that's a good healthy balance it's been super cool like uh, to hear about your Aluren accomplishments at this big tournament it's a deck that has some trouble getting into top eights uh, so it's super cool to to see that and also i'd like to officially welcome you to the Aluren swedish mafia which is like free people <laughs> with you included You'll, there is a t-shirt yes i'm here for it uh what kind of laws do i need to break any any you want oh thank you, you thank can... you thank you of course not that i've broken dear listeners any laws in my time i've always been a lawful citizen well that makes one of us that's great so uh so i mean if if uh, if the next uh, larger tournament uh and legacy that you were going to was to sort of happen this weekend would you run this deck back I would absolutely run this deck again, even if I have my old X of 12 post. This is, uh, I've been very charmed by the magic, so to speak, with of, of card value through creatures and stack uh, instant speed interactions, having a backup bird to bounce your win con so that you can play it again instantly. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm ready to do another eight years on this deck. I really love all the interactions, you know, just playing Harpy uh, with a trigger on the stack, bounce it, hold priority player thing and they're like oh man i don't even have one removal you're like i'm gonna still do my loop exactly i I did actually ask around just to get my head around the comprehensive rules for dungeons which is now a must i'm like okay i can you and if i have cards in my library so just yeah that as well like i stack enter the dungeon triggers i'm gonna draw a bazillion cards but you're dead before then hopefully that kind of stuff yeah also finagling the (laughs) the stack triggers do you have the token i have all three dungeon tokens i've had to play man you're better than me the Aserac for to do other dungeons. I'm like, I'm gonna die unless I scry one. <laughs> but to be fair, I also devalue them by using them as grist insect tokens upside down. And that, my friends, is all we have for this week. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed recording. We are extra happy to have had a guest again. Thank you, Sebastian, so much for coming on. It was truly a pleasure for us. If you like our podcast and want to support us in a quick and easy manner, you can tell a friend you think should listen to it. That always helps. Another low-effort contribution that helps uh, is if you want to rate us in whichever podcast machine you're using, listening to this. And if you want to talk more with us, take a close look at Sebastian's deck list or other things, just come join our discord server you can find a link in this episode description and in addition to the discord you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm stockholm legacy we are also present personally on some social media as well christopher where can our listeners find you 
You can find me on the Discord or at Twitter, where I go at MonolithMTG. Sebastian, do you have any social media presence? Nah, nah, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. You can find me on Twitter at DiscoDrogo. And that is the end of the 54th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Christopher Bikstrom. Extra special thank you, Sebastian Basso Russo. Warm thanks to you for listening all the way to the end. Very uh, brave of you. The Great Frönes has written our music. You can find their work on Spotify. And until next episode, love each other and keep on shuffling. <laughs>